0: Welcome back to source material. I am one of your hosts, Marissa Gall here with Jared Blue. Hello. And we're just going to dive right in this week to Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Let's get into it. I'm very excited. As I am with every episode that's going to be about Harry Potter. Mm -hmm, Definitely. That's the baseline. Yeah. Excitement, nostalgia, love.
1: A lot of emotions.
0: A lot of emotions. So strap in. So you'll remember from last week's episode that we talked about kind of the odd publication of the first book. So it came out via Bloomsbury in the UK in 1997, Mm -hmm. and it came out in the US after being auctioned off for the publishing rights to Scholastic in 1998. So keeping that in mind for the second book in the UK, it came out July 2nd, 1998, So as the first book was being released in the U.S., the second book was being released in the U.K. So there's about a year difference. Mm, Okay. And then on June 2nd, 1999, it was released in the U.S. uh, through Scholastic. So still about a year between each book, but the U.S. is technically a year behind.
1: But that didn't last past the first few, did it? I'm not I sure. I guess we don't know yet. I
0: haven't looked okay. into it. We will learn. Stay tuned for further episodes to learn more <laughs> about it. Got ahead that. of myself. You did a little bit. Um, and as you can probably expect, J.K. Rowling. However, we've watched some of the commentary and they say Rowling.
1: Is it Rowling?
0: I don't know. The British pronounce it Rowling, J.K. Rowling. Oh, and I've been saying Rowling and I feel like a lot of people here in the U S do.
1: I've always said Rowling.
0: So now I'm having a bit of a crisis. (laughs) Am I saying, (laughs) which one are you going to use? I don't know. Just stick with (laughs) Rowling. I'm going to stick with Rowling and then, you know, deal with the consequences. But yeah, so Chamber of Secrets was her first kind of sophomore work following up on the, the unexpected success of the first book. Yeah. So she turned it into her publisher on time, Bloomsbury, but then took it back and did six weeks of revision because she was just so um, invested in making sure it was exactly right. And then so
1: after the f- f- first book, they came back to her and said, "We want to, we want to do the second one as well." Or did that was like was that part of the original deal? Do you know? I
0: think they bought the rights for the first four, and then oh,
1: just like just off the. I think so. Okay,
0: and then don't quote me on that. That might not be correct, but that is my thought process. Is they bought the first three or four because she had told them this is going to be a series. She knew from the beginning there was going to be seven books. So I highly doubt she would have signed with someone and only done one book had her vision been that many. But um, a few things were cut in the revision that she did. So the first one was she had a poem performed by nearly headless Nick about his condition and background um, during his death day party. She Mm -hmm. cut that out. And then
1: is there any reason why.
0: I think just to save time and it just wasn't, it wasn't adding much to, okay. to his story and yeah. we learn.
1: Yeah. You learn through others th-
0: in the first book, you know, that he was, you know, chopped like 40 sometimes right. and still yeah. not beheaded. So
1: well, and he goes into it a little bit more in this book.
0: Too. Yeah, exactly. And then she wanted to introduce more background information on the character of Dean Thomas, but decided to focus more on Neville in the books to come.
1: Yeah. Dean Thomas, he doesn't really ever have a lot of, There's not a lot of focus on him ever. He's just kind of an ancillary character. Right.
0: But granted Neville in this book doesn't have a ton going on either. So that's
1: true. He's much less involved in this one, but there's always a few like side characters that get more involved in each book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, not surprisingly, maybe surprisingly, she took first place on the UK bestseller list, displacing authors like John Grisham, Tom Clancy, and Terry Pratchett, all very well-known authors. Did
1: the first book do, do something similar, or did be- it also have like first place on?
0: Yeah, I think it was. Uh, this one she.
1: Obviously, this one probably would have had more hype. This one had well, more hype. It was a known quantity, at right?
0: I think the first one the first did well, one. but I don't know that it like hit yeah. the, ch- the charts as. Yeah. And this was not for you know, a children's bestseller list like John Grisham, Tom Clancy. Those right. are adults. Yeah, like yeah. she's trumping yeah. all of these people. She won the British book awards children's book of the year for the second year in the row, The first author to ever do that. Wow. Cause she won it for, um, sorcerer stone. And then in 1999, when it was released in the U S it was in the top three bestseller lists, including the New York times. And this book in the first edition of Chamber of Secrets, there are a few misprints. So that's how you can kind of identify it. Okay. Just, you know, apart from, you know, the publication date. Right. So Dumbledore says that Voldemort was the last remaining ancestor of Slytherin instead of last remaining descendant. Obviously Voldemort can't be an ancestor of Salazar Slytherin. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then Lockhart's book is called Weekend with Werewolves at one point, and then it changes to Wanderings with Werewolves. But all of those issues were fixed in reprints. Gotcha. Those are just some interesting facts that there were some, some mixups yeah. in there. Um, it won a lot of other awards. So the American library associations, 2000 most notable children's book and best books for young adults. It landed on that list. Um, it won. I mean, book list named it their editor's choice and top 10 fantasy novels for youth. It won the Nestle Smarties book prize. Again, the gold medal for the division nine through 11 year olds. And the Scottish Arts Council awarded their first ever children's book award to the novel. And if you remember from our JK Rowling episode, the Scottish Arts Council is the organization that gave her the grant money to work full time on her writing that enabled her to not have to teach, Mm. raise her daughter and write at the same time. I wouldn't be
1: surprised if she's pumped a lot of money back into them over the years.
0: I'm sure. I just thought that was a nice kind of full circle moment. I thought that that was really cool that they did that. So in terms of reception, it was met with basically universal acclaim, critics and audience mm-hmm. like Deborah Loudon from the Times said it was a children's book that would be reread into adulthood. And here we are in our mid 20s, still reading it. So she was right to say the least. Critics really responded well to the parody of celebrities and how they interact with their fans with the character of Lockhart, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously a very fun but also very frustrating character Yeah, in the book. And then also the handling of the racism that she creates in terms of the relationships between purebloods, halfbloods, right. and muggle-born wizards. Yeah. And that's something that we're going to see throughout the entire series. This one is where it, it really ramps the, up a little bit.
1: And this is where... In, I mean, the first book kind of avoids some of this stuff, but, um, this is where she's bringing in like more adult themes. Yes. Slowly. Yes. I would say
0: just introducing them. Yeah. And you know, she is someone who plans, so yeah. it's going to be something that comes up the further into the books that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, after all seven books were released, a critic, I believe his name is, I think it's Graham Davis. He said that um, Chamber of Secrets was the weakest in the series because the plot is pretty similar to the first book.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I, I was reading somewhere that I think Daniel Radcliffe said this was his favorite of the series.
0: Really? Yeah. But I found his reasoning for saying why this was the weakest kind of interesting. So he really took issue with Fox's appearance to arm and heal Harry in the Chamber of Secrets at the end of the book. And he described it a, calling it basically a do ex machina, which is, I'm probably butchering that and saying it wrong, but it's a plot device that is used to solve an unsolvable situation. Because if Fox hadn't arrived, Harry
1: would have died. Is that how it's pronounced?
0: Ex ex machina? Do ex machina? I think it's D E U S oh, I was pronounced it as
1: deus ex machina
0: deus. Maybe it is deus. I it could might be, be wrong. Honestly, it might be Latin. I read it as French. So maybe it is deus ex machina. Yeah. And all I thought but I've heard about was that. Ex machina. I've movie. heard of
1: that. Yeah, that's a good movie, but I've heard about that um, plot device. Yeah. I've and heard it's, about that a lot. And it's so. not a
0: compliment. It's it's no. saying like it's yeah. too contrived to be believable. Like, and if you think about the movie and he, in this article was saying, if Fox had arrived too soon, we wouldn't have had the drama with Voldemort. If Fox had arrived too late, everyone would be dead. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's that perfect timing situation. And I and I I get it. And I'm not saying, but that doesn't
1: that wrong. happen in a lot of That's fantasy stories? With like
0: Harry, he is not the all-knowing, all-powerful hero. He needs help from his friends. Yeah,
1: I I, I don't know if I totally agree with that because. Yes, yes, it comes at the right time, but that's because Harry, at that moment in the story, is, is like says something about how Dumbledore is like the the greatest wizard or whatever, and like he's he's like his friend, you know. He he kind of uh, I don't remember the exact statement, but he he says something to the effect of like standing with Dumbledore.
0: Yeah, he's being he which, says something brings, about being which loyal to which brings Fox
1: down his loyalty brings fox into the like alerts fox somehow to the situation. But I don't
0: know if Harry said that in a, in a in a conscious way of knowing saying that would bring fox to him.
1: No, if he had but I said think that I think a, that she sets that up. Yes. Earlier with Dumbledore saying what he said in Yes. And Haggard Shack. So, I mean, I get what he's saying. It is kind of like a convenient way of getting, but it's not out, but, out of nowhere, but it's not out of nowhere because earlier in the book, he also talks about how Fox tears as healing powers, yeah. and, you know, all this stuff. So she sets it up. It's not like it's just like out of nowhere. So yeah. I get what he's saying, but if you're going to pick something in the story that, that bothers you, I don't know if I agree with that being the biggest thing. Right. I don't know.
0: I, I obviously it's subjective. It's yeah, for sure. to each their own. I see the I, merits behind what, yeah, he's, I saying, get what he's saying, yeah. but then I'm also, we're living in a, a fantastical wizarding world okay. where I mean, a yeah, lot isn't explained. You
1: could, yeah. I mean, look at the first book, how convenient is it that every single one of the, um, like trials they have to go through to get to the stone, each character conveniently it, like plays in one of their strengths, yeah. like the chess and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's. I just thought it was interesting to bring that up. Um,
1: it's a children's book. There's going to be stuff like that in it, you know. Oh, yeah. Even non-children's books. Or stuff like oh, that's so. What do you have for, right. for movie stuff? I also don't have a ton um, because...
0: This is going to be a theme, I think, as we get further into it.
1: Uh, I think this will be... Maybe the one where I have the least because it's the same director and the same, I mean, they added some cast members, but the same writer and a a lot of stuff stayed stayed the same. I mean, so this movie came out in in 2002, one year, almost exactly one year after.
0: So there was probably no break in filming.
1: No, I mean, they they, they started filming this, I think, two days. I found two, they started filming this two days after the release of the first movie. So basically they filmed it. Did the all the uh, like press junkets and stuff yeah. like that for it? Probably went to the premiere and stuff, and then boom, right back into filming. So I mean, there's not a lot. I don't think there's a lot that changed as far as where they filmed or who was working on it.
0: Um, yeah, that's so, that's a quick turnaround time for yeah, sure.
1: I'm not gonna I'm not going to reintroduce all of the actors again. You have the the normal cast. Um, the normal trio of Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint, as usual. Yes, yes. Um, some notable additions in the cast for this movie. We have Kenneth Branagh coming in as Gilderoy Lockhart, and he is a pretty acclaimed actor and yeah. director. He's, I think, most recently he did like uh, Midnight Murder on the Orient Express. He starred and directed that one. Oh
0: yeah, I he forgot. directed
1: the first Thor movie actually. What? Yeah. Um, which I, I like that movie. He it's did, a good movie. He directed that one. He also directed, I think, the Cinderella movie, the new live action one. Nah.
0: Um
1: So he does a lot of like big budget stuff, actually. I feel All like right. he's not very well known for his directing, like in the public.
0: No, he has um, a recognizable face as an actor. I did not know that he, yeah, he directed. Yeah, but
1: he he's a pretty accomplished director as well. All right. Um, Kudos to him. It would have been interesting to see what actually what he would have done with one of these movies. But um, Jason Isaacs comes yes. in as lucius malfoy he, i love jason isaacs he's I a love, great actor
0: he's a great actor and he is amazing on twitter
1: <laughs> i haven't seen that <laughs>
0: he's got commentary four days and i love it
1: um shirley henderson plays moaning myrtle
0: she's like one of the older she was cast 30 members. she was
1: 37 and she was playing like uh <laughs> what, what a year 16 old? year old or yeah. something like that so yeah i read she was the oldest cast member who played a student even though she's a ghost. Right. But she's
0: got the voice for it. And she, she's young looking. She is. Yeah. Yeah. She's a great pick for Moaning Myrtle.
1: Um, Mark Williams comes in as Arthur Weasley. It's the first time we see him.
0: So lovable that man.
1: Um, I think he's actually the only, the only new Weasley that comes in.
0: Yeah, I think so. The rest
1: so. were briefly some of them briefly introduced in the first movie. Robert Hardy comes in as Cornelius Fudge. He makes a brief appearance and then he yes. plays a bigger role in some of the later movies. Um and then Toby Jones voiced Dobby. Oh, Dobby. So, interestingly, I found a couple things on the casting, not as much as obviously the first movie because the other casting had been done already, but so Jason Isaacs are originally auditioned for the role of Lockhart, but they asked him instead. They thought he'd be a good fit for Malfoy. They asked him instead to audition for Malfoy, Lucius Malfoy. I agree. And he got that part, which I see. I, I think he fits much better.
0: Yes. He's well, he's very, a good
1: actor. He probably could have pulled off of it, but,
0: but he's, there's something menacing about him in that white wig. Yeah. But also kind of sexy. Right. Mm-hmm. A little sexy. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay.
1: Um, not alone. No, you're not alone. <laughs> um, Lockhart's casting had the most kind of backstory to it. So, um, Kenneth Branagh was not the first choice for this role. They originally cast Hugh Grant, which I think actually would have fit pretty well.
0: Actually. Yeah. I think that would have done. I think that would have done well.
1: Um, but he dropped out instead to do a romantic comedy with, uh, Sandra Bullock. So he went and did two that. Weeks and said, notice, two, weeks, exactly two weeks' notice? That's exactly what it that's is. That's what it was,
0: yeah. And guess what? He plays a very a similar kind of I, uptight, know it all dude.
1: Yeah, I found I found a, a article from The Guardian from two thousand two that was talking about that was it two thousand one maybe, that was discussing this and in the article they wrote that he had already begun preparing for the role and had actually already dyed his hair blonde <laughs> before he dropped out. So oh he was no. he was committed for a little bit. Um, and then I guess he he saw the Sandra Bullock opportunity and, and went for it, which I, I guess I can't blame him. It's a
0: good movie. It's a good romantic comedy. Never seen
1: it, but I, I actually I don't know if I've seen Hugh Grant in anything. I'm sure I have. What? I don't know. What's he been in?
0: Uh, Bridget Jones's Diary. Nope. Bridget Jones's nope. Baby. Two weeks' notice. Nope. Is he in Notting Hill? Yeah, he's in Notting Hill no, with I Julia seen Roberts. That. He was like, he's like rom-com king of the 90s, early 2000s. He was in, he's in Love Actually. I haven't seen that. That's a Christmas movie.
1: Oh, wait, is that the one with Jack Black?
0: No, that's the holiday.
1: That one's pretty good. I like that
0: wait, one. Wait, wait. No, that was with Jude Law. Jude Law is in that's that That's a pretty line. good movie. It has got Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: But we almost had Hugh Grant as Lockhart, which I think would have been a good fit. I think so. So...
0: I mean, it's not like he missed a huge opportunity. But it's a one movie kind of,
1: I think Lockhart was supposed to be pretty young in the, in the books. Was he not? I thought I saw somewhere that he was supposed to be like late twenties.
0: No late twenties. I
1: think that's what no. I saw. I could be wrong, but if that's true, then, then maybe they cast it a little older, but that's what well, I saw. It's not
0: like Kenneth is young.
1: Yeah. That's what I'm saying.
0: Oh, I thought you were saying if they had cast Hugh Grant, he would have been too old. I was like, I think they're like the same age. No. Oh, okay.
1: Um, yeah, but other that's really the only like big casting kind of interesting stuff I found for that. Um, but like I said, filming happened really quick, so they probably kept a lot of the the same people yeah. going into the next film. Um, I found one one little tidbit that I found interesting just about the salary for Daniel Radcliffe. So he initially was offered one hundred twenty five thousand pounds, so one hundred eighty one thousand U.S. dollars for this movie. And then the actors union, he's part of stepped in and they negotiated a $3 million salary for him. So he got a nice little pay bump. I didn't see anything about any of the other actors. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure the actors that were more well-established like Jared Harris and some of those guys probably already had, were making more money than that, but yeah, it would make sense to the child actors.
0: That they were making.
1: A, make, making as much.
0: Well, yeah, they're not. I mean, here's the thing. I get it. They're kids. They don't, they're not as established. They're not as well known things like that, but they're also the main characters. Yeah. So they kind I'm of, I'm sure do they all got it. paid
1: in the end. Um,
0: oh, I would be, I'm, I'm so curious to see what they got paid for the last movies compared to the first ones. That number jump. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be huge.
0: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah.
1: Um, so for the, Parcel tongue language. They actually consulted with a linguistics professor from the University of Cambridge, a guy named Francis Nolan. No and
0: relation he actually, to Christopher he, Nolan.
1: Not that I know of. Um, okay, but he like constructed the language for the film. So okay. I thought that was kind of cool because because yeah. in the in the book, there's no you don't know what what it's supposed to sound like. I mean, I think at one point it's like briefly. Described as like a hissing kind of like, yeah, but like there's nothing beyond that. They don't so. have it
0: like spelled out like they do with J.R. Uh, J. Tolkien, right? Or anything well, in part of the Rings. Yeah,
1: Tolkien was a um, maniac though. With Tolkien, was a, went into.
0: was a linguistics professor, I know, so that's why he, he went into it. Actually,
1: developed like entire languages himself, yeah,
0: syntax and everything, which is crazy. I'm so excited to cover him soon.
1: Those are gonna be long ones. Um,
0: yeah, I'm prepared.
1: Yeah, um, another. One last thing that I found on the production. So before shooting the the kind of final big fight sequence with the basilisk, uh, Chris Columbus, who I mentioned last in the last episode worked with Spielberg, um, at the beginning of his career. Yeah. Um, he actually went to Spielberg and, and asked for, um, advice on how to handle shooting that, those scenes because he had worked with Jurassic park. Uh, Oh, so like
0: CGI stuff you mean?
1: Well, like he I think his he was asking whether it's better to do CGI versus like a animatronic kind of oh, setup. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Spielberg told him that um told him to combine the two. So they actually used both. Oh. So they did um shots with CGI for the wide shots and then the mechanical they use actually a mechanical basilisk for the close ups.
0: That makes sense. Like when you when you get those close ups of like when it's blinded and it's coming, yeah. towards it. Like you can, you can yeah. see the detail that looks a little bit.
1: Yeah. So Spielberg had yeah. like a little bit of a, or at least gave advice on the filming of it, which I found interesting. There you go. Um, so he's using his uh, old mentor.
0: As you should.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So, so I Spielberg that was
0: didn't get to direct, but he got a little, a little touch in there because he was he considered did. for directing. He was considered. A, yeah. And
1: he, I guess, got one of his proteges in there. So. Yeah. Um,
0: Perfect it all works out.
1: Yeah. So after it was released, of course it was a big commercial success. I think mm-hmm. it pretty much, it was a shoe in for that made uh, $879 million on a hundred million dollar budget. And who knows how much they made off of oh all God. the merchandising. Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about how much merchandising they had. They had like Legos and I mean, just everything. they, they let's not
0: forget it. the glue. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know
1: if they did that for the second one, but
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, it came out to like generally positive r- reviews, especially from the public. Yeah. Um, the, the main criticisms that I found were it was too long, which it is a long movie. I forgot. I didn't it's two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. And it's the shortest book. It's the longest movie, but it's the shortest book. The it first, is. No, it is. It's the shortest
0: book. Oh, Interesting. So,
1: yeah, that's really long. Um, that is
0: yeah. Ew. And
1: like the book, some criticized it for being too close to the first movie. Right. But Roger Ebert loved this shit. Gave it a 4 out of 4 again. So
0: Roger Ebert was a Potterhead. Well, Potter- what, what house would he have been in? Ooh. I think he's a Ravenclaw. I think he's a Ravenclaw. I think he's like a Ravenclaw on on the edge of a Hufflepuff cuz he's got a whimsy. he likes this whimsical
1: yeah I would call I would, I would say Ravenclaw
0: more Ravenclaw I'm calling like that's seven. I'm going with 70% you're saying that because you're a Ravenclaw
1: according to the Pottermore website I am yes
0: what other website would you take that's the source
1: yeah that's true oh one more thing I found so the yeah. so the, the scene where they, they were filming um where they'd fly in in the car into Hogwarts yeah they actually used like real Ford um anglicas for that and they ended up destroying 14 of them just to get that one sequence
0: with the whomping willow yeah. honestly like and that was all practical i'm assuming like the
1: i think a lot of it was yeah
0: because i don't yeah it looked it looked cool but it looked very like practical yeah. in its effects yeah that would be kind of fun like your job is like i want you to just destroy this car
1: to Four- figure out how to destroy 14. it and make it look right.
0: Yeah. But also don't kill the children I feel like inside. that actually <laughs> would be a really cool
1: job as like a props yeah. guy on a movie. Oh, yeah. Trying to like figure out how to, how you're going to like reading through the script and trying to figure out how you're going to like get all this. All right. Let's get it. Let's move on to, uh, let's get into some of the comparison.
0: Yes. As like a disclaimer, we love Harry Potter, but we cannot get into the minute by minute, detail by detail differences. No, we're for not everything. here to like
1: talk about whether somebody wore different colored robes in the book. I mean,
0: right? I mean, I don't
1: think I think I don't know. I don't think anybody wants to listen to that either.
0: No, we're gonna we're gonna touch on obviously unless
1: it's like a big plot point, and then sure we'll bring it up. But
0: right, exactly. Little
1: little tiny things.
0: We we we're we're probably gonna skip. Over. Always go for I think how they how they adapt it and rearrange it. Cause that's I'm a really lot interested of in happening. how it's
1: adapt, like how the ad- adaptation rearranges things and then like how it might change, like the dynamics between the characters. And yeah. that's the most interesting part. And like yeah. the repercussions of their changes on the story,
0: because what they change for the movie, they kind of have to f- pull through everything.
1: Yeah. And I was actually, I was watching the something on the special features of the DVD for Chamber Secrets and it was the screenwriter um, Steve Kloves and JK Rowling mm-hmm. talking about adapting the the book into the screenplay and they had to work really close together throughout because and I hadn't really thought about this before but he had to know like what he could take out and what he could keep in because some right. things that seem minuscule and maybe kind of ancillary in the book when you're adapting it become major plot points later on. Like right. that's a big tenet of JK Rowling's writing, at least in the Harry Potter books,
0: especially so these small
1: little details.
0: They come up later,
1: become a huge thing later in the story or the, la- later in the series. And so they had to work really close together.
0: And at to the end, they were writing these movies when the whole series isn't out. Right. Yeah. So he's like, well, it, this hasn't come up in books four and five, but she's like, yeah, but it's going to come up in six yeah. and seven. So you can't take it out. So it, they had to have a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. So similarly to the first book, we're back at the Dursley's house. It's summer break mm-hmm. and Harry has been there. I think they said like five weeks and
1: yeah, since the end of the, it's uh, the last book basically.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of, we're back a full year later and This time the first chapter covers the Dursleys hosting a dinner party and Harry's one job is to stay upstairs and keep quiet and pretend that he doesn't exist.
1: And that's where the movie starts. The book, you've got a little bit more preamble to the dinner party.
0: And I've noticed that with these two books and now that I've started reading the third, she always does like a recap.
1: Yes. At the beginning of the book. Yeah.
0: And reading them back to back, you're like, this isn't necessary. But then I'm like, well, these are released a year or two apart. I'm so. curious
1: to see how much of a recap is done in the later. Yeah, books, I don't exactly.
0: Remember. I don't remember um, it.
1: But, but yeah, but this is this is a common theme. I think throughout the movies is if you're going to cut something, they all, they always cut the Dursleys out. The Dursleys don't play nearly as big of a part in the books. Right. later and then like later in the later movies they almost completely cut them out i think in, in a couple of them
0: they they cut out some of the more redeeming moments of yeah, the Dursleys sure. at the end which is something that i will get into that we'll later into but, that.
1: but yeah this is just one thing where they they definitely the first two books i think are the first three i guess movies they they kind of keep the more of the introductory chapter in, but
0: right. But I, they, I still think they get the characterization of how they yeah. treat Harry. I don't know. It's yeah. I'm not, uh, there's
1: know, a couple things like, hurt. uh, like in the, in the book, it's like, Hey, they don't know that Harry can't use magic.
0: Right. So he's using it as like a scare tactic. So yeah. They leave basically. Him alone.
1: Yeah. So they're being a little bit more, a little bit more pleasant to him. And
0: I wish sometimes they would keep that stuff in. Cause it shows Harry, in like that cheeky light that he's like, he's not this goody goody hero. Who's a victim all the time. Like he has some sass and it's moments like that where I'm like, yeah, you would hold that over their head. And, and he talks back and he, he has a little bit more of a backbone with them, I guess. And I miss that part of it. Yeah. But I see if they're going to cut something.
1: Yeah. That's what they cut. cut
0: But they don't cut it all completely. Obviously there's the dinner party and Harry's upstairs And that is when we are first introduced to the, one of the more beloved characters of Harry Potter, Dobby, the house elf. Mm -hmm. And so Harry obviously being new to the wizarding world has no idea what this creature is and no idea what he's doing in his room. And it's very similar to the, to the book. The movie portrays it very well in terms of warning Harry not to go back. And then hinting at that Dobby had been keeping the letters from his friends and, um, not making him think that, Oh, if he doesn't have friends, he maybe won't go back. And yeah, Dobby, a lot of of this
1: is very similar. It's
0: all very, very similar. The only thing that is different is that once Dobby and the whole exchange escalates to him magically dropping the pudding on that woman's head Mm -hmm. in the book, Harry gets a, a warning letter. From the Ministry of Magic. Well, yeah,
1: in the book, he doesn't. He drops Dobby, drops it on the the floor. floor. Yeah, and then the reason that the the Masons, I think is their name, leave is because an owl comes in the window, and Mrs. Mason's scared of birds.
0: Oh yes, yes. And
1: they're like thought it was like a A bad prank prank or something like that, so they're pissed off and they leave. So it's a little bit different, like why this business dinner kind of falls apart. Yeah, but um, but
0: Harry gets that warning which yeah. is, is different, but, but also it, not necessary. Fundamentally
1: it doesn't change a lot. I think, I think that warning kind of was just to introduce that idea that they like that the ministry reacts to, um, Underage. underage wizards using magic. Cause that comes up in like the third book.
0: Well, and it also proves to the Dursleys like, Oh, he can't use magic. We shouldn't be as scared of him. Right. Yeah. Which and leads since
1: they cut that out, that yeah. whole kind of subplot out, it makes sense that they could just condense that. Yeah. So I don't really think that that changed no. it much in the story.
0: I will say though, in the book, them locking literally barring Harry in his room is much more traumatic to read than in the movie because he's been there what three days in the book and And they give
1: him like no food
0: no food bars on his windows padlocks on his doors he only gets to go to the bathroom twice a day yeah I mean and that was like in the movie I think it's supposed to be the, the very next day that he is Rescued. Yeah, it's like the
1: same night he's rescued that they like bar him in. No, no, my, probably not the same night because they, mm. they, they show a little sequence where they're putting the bars in the
0: Right, office, yeah. So in the book, I would say that's much more
1: traumatic. Yeah, definitely, traumatic. for sure.
0: Granted, everything that the Dursleys does is super terrible and criminally... Criminal, it's yes, criminal. Yes. Like, these people should be <laughs> prosecuted. Probably. I guess the law for child abuse. But, uh, you know... I guess it's like most heroes, he needs a traumatic backstory, but similarly to the book, uh, Ron and Fred and George come and save him. And, um, it's a little bit different, but not really.
1: Yeah. uh, Small little details, but
0: small little things, but they go to the burrow and I think the movie you had mentioned this, I think they do a really good job with the, the animation and the building and how the burrow looks. And yeah, I
1: love the, the, like, how they constructed the burrow. I think it looks yes. very much like what I had pictured in my head. Yeah.
0: Um, like rickety, but very yeah. homey. And
1: there's like little things that, little, and I had, this is the same thing from the first book, but there's like little, like, eccentricities that they kind of remove that I like. Like, there's like in the book, they've got like little details of like the gnomes in the garden they got to deal right. with and like the ghoul in the attic. And obviously you can't keep all that stuff in because, and this is where, again, I was, I would, we, when we were talking about it being maybe we were talking about maybe Harry Potter making a good TV show. Cause you keep some of this stuff in, but like, right. for example, like the little detail, like when they go up to Ron's room in the book and he's, they show like the Chudley cannons, which is Ron's favorite quidditch team. Yeah. something you just miss out on some of that,
0: but they bring that in later.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And and I mean it's a necessity in making the movie. You gotta condense it. But it does kind of like those are some of the things I really enjoy in the book is like those little moments and like kinda like that extra world building, all these little tiny details that fill out this world. Right. I think that's what makes Harry Potter so like feel so like a fully fledged kind of
0: And it and it 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 expands the world beyond just witches and wizards. It it brings in those those creatures that are very important and a part of kind of daily life for a wizarding family. Yeah, I agree. But I also understand that like you got to cut what you got to cut to make time. This movie was what, two hours, 40 minutes. So yeah, they left in quite a bit. Uh, It's similar to the first movie. They, they hit all the high points. Um, but so the, the burrow scenes are very similar Mm -hmm. besides the, in the book, they have to denome the garden, which, which is adorable to read and, Things like that, but it's not, it doesn't yeah. add much well, to anything. And,
1: and he is at the borough for a longer period of time. Like, um, like a month, month I think. Yeah. So like they talk about them practicing quidditch and stuff like that. But yeah, obviously for necessity, out of necessity, they speed it up.
0: Right. And then we kind of jump to the time when they go to London and to Diagon Alley to get their stuff. And this is the first time Harry will travel by flu powder. That's yeah. all the same.
1: One big omission here is like, so when he travels by flu powder and he accidentally goes to um, Nocturne Alley. Instead, he goes into... Um, Borgen and Burks. Borgen and Burks. And that happens in the movie, but he doesn't see Draco and Lucius in the shop,
0: and which he, right. in the book
1: happens. And I think, it, is he getting the diary in that shop?
0: No. Is so it, what's happening is he, um, Malfoy and, and Lucius Malfoy are selling because there's the that's ministry right. is doing raids. That's but right. what I think is also just one of these very small details that Rowling does so well is Harry sees them come, come in yeah. he's like, I don't want to deal with this. So he sees a cabinet Yeah. in the corner and he gets in. And then we know, cause we've watched the movies and read the books that that is the vanishing cabinet that comes up in the half blood br- th- Prince. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, f- it's not called that it's not mentioned, but,
1: no, they do mention the vanishing cabinet at Hogwarts later at on. Hogwarts, but yeah. that's a
0: different, right. That's but
1: yeah, You're right. That is the same. We don't
0: know that they're twins, right. Yeah. That they're tied together, yeah. but like, that's a little thing. And yeah. then there's also um, like a necklace and then the hand of power or something that also yeah, comes a couple into of play. things That
1: come in later. I um, do think that. Yeah. I, and so that again, a small omission, but I think it, it's it, the omissions they made are work well because whatever they remove, they remove an entire subplot. Right. So like later on, they're talking about these raids that are going on and how Malfoy's got like stuff hidden in their house, dark artifacts, and they completely remove that. So if they remove something, they later on remove. They're
0: they're very consistent. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I will give them that. They're very consistent in what they take out and making sure that they're not forgetting anything. Um, One of the things I wish they would have kept in, and this is when they're in flourish and blots and they encounter Gilderoy Lockhart selling his book. Right. And all of that is that's the Malfoys run into them there. And, uh, Lucius is being a, a dick and
1: Peruge. Uh,
0: Peruge And Arthur Weasley's being adorable per use Cause he's talking to Hermione's parents and he's obsessed with muggles. And, yeah. and, um, so they're both pure blood families. And Lucius has opinions on what makes a good family. And yeah,
1: but this is where they kind of the first, like first scene where she starts to introduce the whole, um, the
0: race issue of,
1: yeah. The discrimination of, yeah. Of non magic.
0: Right. Versus, which is a theme
1: throughout the entire book.
0: But this is where it's really, this is where it starts, really starts. But in the book, Mr. Weasley just fucking hammers yeah oh, they Lucious. get into an actual like, like fist fight a physical fist yeah. fight and i'm like i would have loved to see that yeah i think that would have been or like a very maybe a more comedic version of it <laughs> i don't know but
1: yeah but they did keep in so so in the book they just mentioned that like after this fight or is it right before i don't remember but in the sequence lucius slips takes it's a book after, out of, yeah. takes a book out of jenny's cauldron and then puts it back in later on and like it just mentioned that he puts the books back in her cauldron in the book, but in the movie you see him put the books back in the cauldron and then clearly shows an extra book being put in there, which ends up being the The diary. diary. Yeah.
0: That's Um, the same. And they did that very well. Like that visually, I think that it's very subtle when you see it, you see it. But before that you don't really notice it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so,
1: but I do agree. I think that would have been, I mean, they keep, they keep the important parts in where they're still setting up this kind of dynamic between these like pure blood quote like wizarding yeah. families who look down on muggles and half
0: half bloods yeah and, yeah muggle borns yeah and things like that it, it's just starting
1: but it's not as uh yeah it's not as potent I guess they don't have the fist fight so
0: right exactly but it is a it is still a very tense scene yeah I give them that um so then you know everything goes to plan they're heading to um king's cross
1: mm-hmm.
0: for to meet the train and in the book they mention they kind of go through like oh they have seven kids they're trying to get them all to the train station yeah. there's mention of jenny having to stop and go back to the house because she forgot her diary yeah so that is the very first and like we said it, you pick up on it because we've read it before but that's the first mention of the diary yeah. already in chapter five Yeah. so the same thing happens. They get to the platform and they can't get through. So they decide to take the car, but it's a lot less dramatic in the book, in the book.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: The, they don't almost get hit by the train, um, trying to find it. Think that Harry doesn't almost like fall out of the car right. <laughs> and get, you know, obliterated. I think this
1: is going to be a common theme throughout the mo- throughout the movies is that they kind of ramp up, the make certain things more more dramatic. um. Yeah.
0: But every time I think about every time I watch the movie and I think I stopped the movie and I showed you the vine of Thomas, the train and Harry Potter. If you've not seen that vine, just YouTube it. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, Chamber of secrets and Thomas, the train, With the theme music in the background. Seven seconds of pure joy for me. (laughs) Um uh but yeah, it's a lot less dramatic, except they do still crash into the whomping willow. Ron breaks his wand. They're all
1: this is very similar. All
0: very similar, thinking they're gonna be expelled by Snape, but then they're just given detention Mm -hmm. and um you know, they try to keep it under wraps, but of course everybody knows. So
1: Yeah.
0: I would say the first you know, five, six chapters. We're, we're doing pretty good in terms of person.
1: They really, like I said, the first two books, they stay very faithful to, uh, first two movies. Sorry. They stay very faithful to the books. Yes. And that's why I think they're so long. I mean,
0: yes, that I I agree. exactly. Um, and then we get similar to the first book in terms of if you, if you want to compare them and say that they are similar, they follow a similar trajectory, right? We started Definitely. with Dursleys, we go to Diagon Alley, we go to King's Cross, and now we're like the first couple of days of school. Yep. And the first class that they go to is Herbology, which they're learning about Mandrakes, which obviously comes into play later in the book. Yes. So setting it up, still a lot of setup. Right. Um, And then they have their first Defense Against the Dark Arts class with Lockhart, which goes very similarly to the book with the Cornish Pixies and the huge fucking mess that they make. Yeah. And Lockhart being a big baby who doesn't want to mess up his hair and doesn't know any spells, really, it seems. Yeah. At all. We should also mention that this is the first time that we're introduced to Colin Creevey, who plays kind of a bigger not bigger role, but he's a notable character side character in this book Yeah, who is obsessed with Harry. He's a muggle born and uh, loves taking pictures and he'll come up later as we find out. But apart from all that, we kind of move on into um, middle of the school year and starting Quidditch practice. And um, the Slytherin team has a new seeker, which is Malfoy Mm -hmm. who it's well known. He just bought his way onto the team and very similarly to the book R- Malfoy calls Hermione a mudblood. Yeah. Which I know that this world isn't real and I know that I'm a human woman on earth, but I still don't like to say it. It's, it's not as Hermione would say, it's not a term one hears in civilized conversation and I struggle Actually, to say it.
1: Okay. Who says that in the book though? Ron, doesn't he? I believe so. This is okay, this is one this is where I think the first time I noticed this in this movie, but they take a lot of like dialogue from Ron in the books and yeah. give it to Hermione in the movies. Yeah. And I think it kind of does a disservice to Ron's character because there's a lot of p- points in the book in this book anyways where he's got information or knowledge of the wisdom world that he brings in to the group and yeah. kind of like helps out, helps them figure things out or it just adds a little bit more
0: and it makes sense for his character because he's from a wizarding family. He grew up in the wizarding world in the book. Hermione doesn't know what mud blood is. Yeah. So Ron, even though he's cursed himself to eat slugs, mid slug barfing is describing what it means to Hermione and to Harry. Yeah.
1: He's more useful in the books. I think, I think there's the dynamic between the three is better. Whereas in the movie, he's really more used for like comedic relief, I guess more. And he's just a little bit, I don't know. He's like a little bit, I think it does a disservice to his character to kind of take some of that away from him.
0: And especially when you think like, yes, Hermione reads, yes, she is one of the top wizards in her class, but she is still from yeah. the quote unquote muggle world.
1: And it it makes it like a more equal kind of yeah. puts them all on more equal footing in the books. I would yeah. say they all kind of play their part a little bit more right. in the group.
0: And there, there are a couple other places where this happens again with Ron's character that we'll touch on, but this yeah. is kind of the first one where in the movie they give that information to Hermione.
1: Yeah. Um. And actually thinking about it, maybe they do that because Hermione is, petrified for part of the movie
0: i never thought of that but you're right she is not like involved in the second half of the movie So maybe movie.
1: they were trying to give her more um we'll have to see if this is a theme that continues in the later movies well
0: and we know that Close loves the character of hermione
1: yeah that's true so the screenwriter does, the screenwriter does really does it. so maybe that was played into it as well
0: yeah that might be a part of it too um another this is where they kind of start to diverge from the book in terms of condensing the plot line
1: which they do quite a bit in this. Yes yeah. so
0: we know that Ron and Harry have uh, detention for the Whomping Willow incident mm-hmm. what they don't ever mention in the movie is that Ron has detention with Filch polishing the trophies in the trophy room mm-hmm. and Harry is with Lockhart helping address letters for fan mail which, That's which the is same. in the movie yeah. that is but and what happens is very similar to the movie that he hears the voice of what we will soon find out is the basilisk Yeah. When he's in detention, but all he does is hear it. Nothing else happens in the book. In the movie, they jump right into the first attack. Yeah. But we're going to go through kind of what happens prior to that. So they they essentially take out all of chapter eight if you want to be... Exact, which, which is, is the death day party, death right? day party which yeah. is, I think a really interesting scene. And it's where they introduce a lot of characters that are not a lot, but like moaning Myrtle, this is where she first shows up. Yeah. Um, but I see why they cut it. It just, I get it. Definitely. Um,
1: similar to the, uh, the midnight duel in the first book. Yeah. I, I, it's an interesting chapter, but I can see why it doesn't have as much, um, it doesn't have as much to do with the overarching plot. Right. So it's it's
0: definitely a part of the lore. Right. Building that lore. So what the death day party is is um
1: Nearly Headless Nick. It's
0: for Nearly Headless 500th Nick's 500th
1: anniversary of his death. Of his right? death,
0: right? But what leads up to this is interesting too because this is the second mention or the first by name mention of the vanishing cabinet. Oh yes. So essentially this chapter covers Filch being really upset with Harry because he's made this huge muddy mess after Quidditch practice. So, um, he's going to go to his office and give Harry detention. But Harry is saved by Peeves who crashes and breaks the vanishing cabinet right. distracting Filch Yeah. and nearly headless Nick comes up to him and says like, Hey, like I just helped you out cause I told Peeves to do that could you come to my death day party and like tell people that I should be a part of the headless hunt? Yeah. Nearly head is Nick is obsessed with being a part of the headless hunt. Yeah. Um, so they go it, both, all of them. So Ron goes, mm-hmm. Hermione, Harry. It's a very interesting scene with a lot of detail about disgusting food.
1: Yeah. And this is like Halloween nights. They're missing their big feast. Yeah, for this.
0: They, they have to stand next to rotten cheese, but they yeah. can't eat, you know, their pumpkin juice and tarts and stuff. And that's when they first meet moaning Myrtle and that she's a ghost at the school, Mm -hmm. former student. And then on the way back, leaving the death day party, that is when they stumble upon.
1: That's where the first attack. Mrs. Norris, the flooded
0: hallway and the writing on the wall. And obviously they are questioned because they are found at the scene. They figure out that's all petrified. All of that is very, very similar to where in the movie it picks up, which is right after the detention scene. Right. When Harry is the only one found next to the scene.
1: Yeah. And I think they did actually a pretty good job of
0: in terms of condensing those
1: two things together.
0: It makes sense. I mean, it
1: worked well, I thought, so I
0: think it works really well. And yeah.
1: And if you were going to cut out a chapter, that would be the one to do, I think.
0: Right. Absolutely.
1: Nearly had his neck is in there, but that they don't need that subplot necessarily for no. the movie. So,
0: but w- another thing of another reason why Harry and Ron and Hermione are kind of questioned about it is because in the book, Harry is um, thought to have found out that Filch is a squib. So this is the first oh right first time they bring up the idea of a non-magic person being born into a magic family. So Filch when he goes, takes Harry's to his office, Harry sees all these pamphlets for how to learn magic and quick yeah. spells. Granted, he has no idea what a squib is, which is right. someone who is non-magic, but has a, an, an all magic family. So that's another little detail about one of the characters that I think yeah. was interesting, but also because they don't bring it up a lot in the later movies. They, like we said, they're consistent. They take yeah. out the squib aspect.
1: And it's hard because that's, they, they have a lot of these like really well fleshed out side characters. They
0: do. Absolutely. In these
1: stories and they kind of, a lot of these guys kind of remain one dimensional in the movies yeah. at, and that's out of necessity for them cutting stuff, but it does do a disservice a little bit to the story. Right. You don't, you don't have all this information about, um, Phil. She kind of stays the same. Um, you're not getting all this like, uh, this information about his backstory that right. kind of adds to some of these interactions. It you know?
0: adds to his bitterness and yeah. it adds to his kind of hatred for yeah. the students because they're like, they're learning what he never could. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So we skip, we're not skipping anything really, but the next scene in the movie is Hermione asking professor McGonagall to describe what the chamber of secrets is. Cause that message on the right. wall, you know, the chamber has been opened. Yeah. Um, she does that in the book, but McGonagall says no. No, in the, in the book, she asked Professor Benz, the history teacher, mm-hmm. who's the ghost. But because Professor Benz obviously isn't in the movies,
1: yeah.
0: it goes to McGonagall. Yeah. Another easy way to stitch up that yeah. transition, make it work. Which but works fine. I really enjoyed that part of the book and the movie because it was a really, to me, a really smart way to introduce the history of Hogwarts and the lore behind the founding of it mm-hmm. without having to like do a whole exposition at the beginning of book one. Book one, they don't tell really anything about no. how Hogwarts was founded, why the houses are named the yeah. way that they are. So I thought that was a really interesting and, uh, exciting way to bring it in where you want to read it.
1: And it's like a very organic way of giving that information to the reader instead of kind of shoving a bunch of, uh, facts down there throat yeah. throat at the beginning. Yeah. And she, yeah and instead she, of she, when things become, um, when things become relevant to the story, then then they're explained, yeah, which I think is done really well.
0: And and I think that's where some fantasy novels get caught up in the weeds is they try to explain this whole world mm-hmm. right away. And you're just like, okay, like I get it. Yeah. Like let's move on. Yeah. So that, that was a good way for her to bring that in. Um, so they learn about the history of the founding, but professor Benz is like the chamber has been searched for. Nobody's found it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist basically. Um, but they aren't convinced and they go back to the scene of the crime, which is where in the book they first see the spider scurry away, all of that good stuff. And one thing that they really leave out of the movies is Ginny.
1: Yeah, definitely. She
0: plays a big part. So after Mrs. Norris is found in the book, it, it describes like she's really upset, Yeah, really upset. And Ron's trying to calm her down and they don't say why they just, you know, she's young, she's 11, whatever, but they leave all of that out of but the movie. There's a lot of mentions
1: of her in the book after the certain attacks or responding to different situations, dealing with the chamber of secrets. Right. That like that really like they make a, she makes a point to tell you what Jenny's, how Jenny's feeling or reacting exactly. to these things, yeah. which obviously becomes, um,
0: really important.
1: clear why she did that when, when in the end of the book. But yeah, they, they leave that at the movie where you don't really see how it's affecting Ginny as, I mean as much, it's not as obvious. Right. Um, it's not as obvious that she's taking these things really hard.
0: Yeah. They, they don't focus on it. They don't give that foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, which I miss. I think, I feel like they should have done a little bit more of that. Yeah, they don't I don't think agree. it would have taken that much time. Yeah.
1: I agree. I wish they do. would have kept that in a little bit.
0: Um, but all of this after learning the history and that the heir of Slytherin is mm-hmm. the one who's going to open it. They obviously default to, well, it's Malfoy. Yeah. He's the heir. So that's when they concoct the, idea for Polyjuice potion and disguising themselves as crab and Goyle to talk to Malfoy to get information. Mm-hmm. That's all pretty similar yeah. to the book, except what they really miss. And I really wish they would have done is that Hermione is kind of leading the charge and yeah. they're trying to talk sense into her.
1: Well, because I, and this, I agree is a really, it's a, the dynamic is a little bit more interesting in the book because throughout the first book, uh, up until that Halloween episode with the troll, Hermione is like really, you know, rule abiding, yeah. like worried about getting expelled and all this stuff. And in, in the chamber of secrets that completely flips and she's the one pushing them to go further and break the right. rules further. And it's really made clear that it's, it's this like really personal thing for her because,
0: well, because it's an attack
1: on her because she is a non-magical, a non-magical background and yeah, you know, this whole kind of chamber of secrets. Um, the whole thing with S- S- Slytherin and all that stuff was to stop non-magical people from coming to Hogwarts basically.
0: Yeah. For muggle born people.
1: Classifying them as second class citizens. So they can't, you know, have the same education uh, education and stuff like that. So she's taking this really personally and kind of driving everything ahead. Yeah. And I, I agree. I don't think that they translated that as well as they could have Yeah, into the into the the movie,
0: yeah, they make it seem like she's in charge because she's the smartest, yeah, which is true.
1: And no, but actually, well, that's where it comes back to them pulling some of the stuff from Ron because I think Ron almost takes on a little bit of the Hermione or Hermione um, role in this book a little bit more, where he has more of the information and he's yeah. the one pulling things back a little bit more, and she's the one like trying to forge forward. Yeah. So I think. It doesn't work as well because they gave her some of that, some of that information. It does seem like she's the one. Yeah. She's the kind of the know-it-all stuff. Yeah.
0: She's the encyclopedia that they're using. Yeah, exactly. When really she's the emotion behind everything. And Ron's the one that's more of the well of information. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I just wished I would have seen that like more human reaction because if you, the whole thing about it attacking Muggleborns. Mm-hmm. She's a muggle born. Like yeah. it is so personal and obviously sh- it happens. And There's her. a couple
1: scenes where they, they do that well, I think, but yeah, I, I agree in this. Yeah.
0: In that instance, it was, yeah. it was a, is a miss and I wish they would have like, I like it's, it wouldn't have taken that much time. Mm-mm. They could have used the one sentence where in the book where she's really like really hammers into them. Like, yeah. I know you're scared, but like you don't have to worry about it. Right. Type of thing. Um, the, Next kind of big thing is with the bludger, which is very similar to yeah
1: during the the, the Quidditch match between Gryffindor and, and Slytherin. Slytherin. Yeah.
0: So this is the first match off between you know Harry and Malfoy, both seekers now, but similarly to the car scene, the the physical kind of violence is ramped up a little bit. Yeah. And the scene takes a lot more time. In the book, it's. There's a rogue bludger that's immediately after Harry and breaks his arm, but he still gets the the the, the snitch, snitch really, yeah. really early because Malfoy's being a, a a dingus. He's just laughing mm-hmm. at Harry basically. In the movie it's this whole flight sequence yeah. and in and out and weaving and
1: it's much more dramatic. Yet.
0: Really dramatic. But it all ends the same with Harry losing all the bones in his arms from Lockhart's stupidity yeah. and ending up in the infirmary where he encounters Dobby again where he learns Dobby stopped the, right. the entrance
1: yep. curse the bludger. Yeah. This is very similar,
0: very similar. And that's also where they, um, f- mention and bring in Colin Creevy, who was petrified. Yeah. Um, and Harry overhears the professor saying the chamber of secrets is open right. again. So he knows it's happened before and that the chamber of secrets yeah. is real. So that's where everything is established. Yeah. And, um,
1: yeah, this is all very similar.
0: All very, very similar. And what they also don't mention is, once again, Ginny's really upset yep. because she sat next to Colin and Charms.
1: Right, which is the explanation they give. But Yes, yeah. that's the explanation Thru- Again, they throughout, they, they, they mention those little things, yeah.
0: So after this whole scene where Colin Creevy is discovered and
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, is petrified so they know that it's the Chamber of Secrets is open again, We skip ahead to the dueling club scene, which is very, very similar. Yeah,
1: nothing, not much changes.
0: Right. The main events are that we find out Harry can speak parcel tongue or not. We, we know that as no, we don't.
1: This is the first time it's really brought up. I mean, he speaks to the snake in the first book, but you don't know the significance of that.
0: Right. So this is the first time actually Harry even learns that he's speaking another language. And
1: again, this is where Ron, comes. Ron, Ron is the one who, who has this information. I think Hermione in the movie is the one who tell, who, who tells him he's a parcel knows about the parcel mouths, partial tongue.
0: Right. And that, and the connection to Slytherin. Yeah. And so, the whole drama of Harry speaking parcel tongue to the snake, trying to get it away from the character of yeah. Justin Finch Fletchley, um, is all the same up and in, in, into the point that after the dueling club, after a little bit, right. everyone thinks Harry is the heir of Slytherin. Yeah. and they're avoiding him. Yeah, And it's only made worse when Justin is found next to nearly headless yeah. Nick, both petrified. Yeah. And that's when he has to go to Dumbledore's office. That's when we see Fox for the first time.
1: And there's Phoenix. like some little things they cut out in here where like he Harry he has a confrontation with some other Hufflepuffs who were talking about him being like there if Slytherin and yeah. opening the chamber. And, and this comes up later, but yeah, that's another small thing they chose to remove.
0: Right, exactly. To streamline it, but. Right. Um, so that's kind of, the drama that creates yeah. a really big dynamic for Harry and the other students as they're yeah. like, he's found at every scene, yeah. you know, the parcel tongue and Slytherin. Mm-hmm. So it's all starting to form together. And so then we're heading into Christmas time. All three of them decided to stay cause Malfoy's staying. So mm-hmm. that's when they're going to use the polyjuice potion, try to get more information out of Malfoy yep. thinking he's the heir, He's the one doing yep. it. Um, similarly,
1: a lot of this is the same and
0: very it, the same Hermione's a cat.
1: This is the thing where, where I was saying they pull, if they remove a subplot, they remove things in scenes that they keep in because in the scene where they were, they're imitating crab and Goyle and talking to Draco in the Slytherin common room. Um, at the very end, he mentions his dad having like a uh, dark, w- dark artifact, dark, um, magic artifacts hidden underneath the floor in a certain room in their house. And, and that's like the subplot with, with, the uh, Lucius and Arthur and like the raids and stuff going on and yeah. and how they how they're going after the Malfoys a little bit So this comes up later, but they remove that in the movie and again it, They do a good job of like if they remove a subplot from one portion of the story They they do it in scenes where they yeah. keep in as well, but there's little things like that that they remove out
0: Right but other than exactly. that it, other
1: than that, I mean they hit they hit everything all the all the major plot points basically
0: So unlike in the movie where Hermione seems to like recover pretty quickly from her polyjuice potion mishap with the cat. Yeah. She's actually in the infirmary for weeks.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And so she's not really a part of like the research or anything that they're trying to figure out, but there've been no more attacks since Justin's attack. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's kind of calmed down a little bit, but that's when um, they discover in moaning Myrtle's bathroom, the, the diary. Yeah. And so all that they know is someone came in through the diary in Mm -hmm. Myrtle's toilet and then Harry and Ron pick it up and see that it belongs to Tom Riddle. And this is another moment where Ron says, I know that name. Yeah. And he knows information because he polished a shield with, Tom Riddle's name on it. Cause he got a special during award the, yeah,
1: during his detention. Yeah. Yeah. Which was removed from the,
0: which was 50 years before. Yeah. And they now know that the chamber is open yeah. 50 years ago. So they're like, well maybe he's the one who caught the, yeah. the person responsible and therefore he's like important. They think he's someone who can other help.
1: than that. This is all very similar though. Yes. Harry finds the diary and then starts writing in it and gets like sucked into the diary and Tom Riddle shows him, um, Catching Hagrid basically so right. Hagrid was blamed for the chamber seekers opening um, like 50 years ago. And that's that,
0: why he was expelled. Right.
1: And so, so we, we learn why he's, ex, he was expelled in the first that. place. The,
0: the only thing that this kind of chapter gets skipped over in the movie is Lockhart's morale boosting Valentine's day kind of extravaganza, oh, right. which serves no purpose and it's pretty stupid. There's just dwarves, like really angry dwarves delivering love letters across the school. But it is an instance where Harry learns that the diary absorbs ink because he drops all of his books and the ink is on everything but that diary. It serves a
1: purpose too because in the book that's where the dwarf who's dressed up like Cupid yeah. rips his backpack and all stuff falls out and that so that's where Jenny sees that he has the diary. Yes. And she later goes back and goes back and steals it. Where in the movie I don't think there's any point where Jenny sees he has the diary. No. It's just oh, someone steals it. They right. skip so they skip over that. So it serves a purpose.
0: It does. Um, that one particular yeah. scene. Um, and they could have left that in in a different way again, but I also don't again, think Again, I think it was a smart you.
1: thing to to cut out probably. But right. it's just some of the quirky. I I do think they they cut out a lot of the more quirky stuff, which, um, maybe maybe that misses a little bit in the doesn't. I miss that a little bit in the movies, but
0: right. Um. So after Harry obviously has this experience with the journal, he um, he tells Ron and Hermione, and he's con- and it seems that. He and Ron are kind of like, I think it was Haggard. He didn't mean to hurt anybody, but they don't want to go talk to him about it because yeah. they think that would be awkward. Whereas Hermione's like, I don't like that doesn't seem like that would be the problem or that, that Haggard mm. would do it. Which was interesting that Harry and Ron just kind of jumped on the well, Haggard did it. He yeah. just didn't mean to hurt anybody. Um, but that is the same after that all happens, that is when the diary goes missing. Um and that is when Harry hears the voice again, the first time he's heard it since Justin yeah. was petrified. And that is when they learn that Hermione has been petrified with the mirror found in her hand. Right. So obviously they're like, we have to go talk to Hagrid. Things yeah. are, are different. And, um, all the curfews are placed, all of that, the drama of everything. Yeah. So
1: then, yeah, then they go, they go talk to Hagrid. Um, at night they sneak out, they go to his hut, And this is all very sped up. So, um, they talk to Hagrid for like a second. Then they hear somebody coming up, coming up to his hut and then fudge and Dumbledore walk in and tell Hagrid that he he's got to go to, they're sending him to Azkaban prison because they need to do something.
0: And Dumbledore is like, he has my full confidence. I don't think he did this. And fudge kind of seems to agree. He's like, I just have to do something. Yeah. So even they're not convinced, yeah. that it's Hagrid. But in that time, that's when we get that message from Dumbledore directed right. at Harry and Ron
1: after that sequence. So they leave and Malfoy comes in and that's where Dumbledore is. He's part of the governors or whatever of, of Hogwarts. And they, that's when they, he informs Dumbledore, they voted to remove him as head headmaster mm-hmm. of Hogwarts. So in that one swoop, you have Dumbledore and um, Hagrid basically, being leaving Hogwarts for the the rest of the story so they're a little Until bit more the end, yeah. they're a little bit more on their own so now it's just really Ron and Harry on their own and um but in this sequence Hagrid tells them to follow the spiders basically yes this is where that line comes in um to figure out to get more information on the chamber of secrets and what happened um 50 years ago and they condense this a lot in the movie so after this whole the whole sequence at Hagrid's hut, they have a whole thing where they're back at Hogwarts and trying to find the spiders because they can't see anything. And in the movie, it just cuts immediately them to them seeing some spiders crawling in Hagrid's hut and they yeah. immediately go into, into the, the forest. forbidden forest. And
0: Which, if you remember, in the first book, Ron hasn't ever been there. In yeah. The first movie. So this exactly. is his first experience in the book going yeah. into the forest. So that's kind of interesting, well, too. and
1: then another change is in the book, Ron is like not quite as scared as he is in the the movie. He's like shown to be like really scared and not up for going.
0: Well, he hates spiders. Yeah. But
1: in the book, he's like a little bit more brave about it.
0: Yeah. He's not as whiny.
1: Yeah. So I do, I think they do kind of fundamentally change some of Ron's.
0: They play, like we said, that comedic relief.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: But all of that with our Aragog and the kids and the car coming back, all I can think of the car is I'm like, it's just like, a wizard Herbie fully loaded. (laughs) Like it's just this kind of sentient car that's just there to help them out, which I love. I think that's a lot of fun, but that's all the same is that they figure out that spiders hate whatever's Mm -hmm. in the chamber of secrets, but they don't know the name. They don't know anything like that.
1: Yeah. But yeah, the important um, part of that whole encounter with Aragog is that he tells them one that Hagrid didn't open the chamber secrets but two, there was a girl who died in a bathroom. Right. That was killed. That was killed by whatever the beast is. Um, cause mm-hmm. they don't know at this point. And that's when they kind of have this revelation that Myrtle yeah. might've been the one to have died cause she is obviously right. stakes or her, you know, stays in the, the woman's bathroom.
0: Well, and I just kind of like the, they're like, well, what if she never left? Yeah. Right? I really, I yeah. don't know why, but that line is like, just really, I just enjoy like yeah. that kind of quick transition to it. And that was yeah. left
1: in the, that was, that was in both. Yeah. Um, it's in both. Again, they condense it a little bit.
0: Yeah. So after they learned that information, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, we, we need to talk to Myrtle at some point. But leading up to that, Jenny comes to them looking really worried one morning. Like she wants it. She's like, I need to tell you something, yeah. but then is interrupted. And you know, she, she runs away without ever telling them. And they're kind of like, ah, whatever. Like, I think she's just upset by everything that's happening. And then they go visit Hermione again. And Harry notices a crumpled piece of paper in her hand. Yeah. And that is all very similar.
1: Yeah. This is all pretty similar.
0: She has the page about the basilisk that it's moving through the pipes. Yeah. And then that is when they decide to go tell.
1: Well, over the intercom, um, McGonagall, says that a student has, or that everybody needs to go to their um, right, the common rooms, and they they overhear. It's a little bit different in the book, but they overhear the teachers, the professors, saying that Ginny Weasley
0: was, has, taken. was taken
1: into the chamber, and that's when then they go talk to Myrtle.
0: Well, so, first they go um, to meet with Professor Lockhart because he's been charged with going to the chamber, right, of secrets, and all the teachers in the uh yeah in the book none of the teachers like him in the movie none of the yeah. teachers like him and he just sits there and brags like oh i know where the chamber of Secrets is but it seems nothing's happened anymore so i guess yeah. they don't so they're they they kind of do that to get him out of the way mm-hmm. but ron and harry are like we have to go talk to him we have to tell him that we think it's yeah moaning myrtle knows something and then that what follows is all very similar to yeah the book. from this
1: point on um this story-wise, is pretty similar.
0: It's it's pretty similar. Again, they kind of up the the battle yeah. scene between Harry and the Basilisk, yeah. but um, they they talk to Myrtle. She tells them where she saw the monster. He's able to open the chamber. Lockhart loses his memory, and Harry faces Tom Riddle. And what they really hammer home in the book is how much Harry identifies with Tom after seeing his memory.
1: Yeah, they share a lot of um, similarities. They're both half
0: half Blood. bloods. Yeah.
1: Um, they look similar even orphaned, um, both orphaned. And yeah, this is something that doesn't come up in the movie that I think was a, a, a pretty big, I don't know. I think they should have kept this in, um, this, this kind of comparison, Harry comparing himself. And this is right. a whole inner turmoil of Harry. in this book is like, because of the sorting hat, you know, mentioned that he'd be good in Slytherin and stuff like that. He's like, you know, am I like, am I, is Voldemort part of me. Am I like, Am I similar to him? You know, is this a part of me? Right. And, um, you know, that I don't want to get into, we'll, we'll get into the part where he's talking about Dumbledore in a second, but, um, yeah, so there's this kind of inner turmoil that is a little bit there. They, they kind of touch on it, but it's not as pronounced in the movie. And I think they could have done a better job.
0: They, I mean, they keep the scene in where he's, he's in the chamber. He's much more cautious about the basilisk in the book Whereas in the movie, he runs up to Jenny and then Tom Riddle shows up and he's like, Tom, we need to save her all of this. And like thinking Tom's an ally
1: and
0: kind of going over his head that something else is going on. In the movie they kind of get to that a little bit more quickly
1: and they stretch out the encounter with between Harry and the basilisk a lot and this yeah. is one this is a moment where they make it much more dramatic than it was it's a really short thing in the book the this it little was fight way between, than
0: I thought yeah
1: this little fight and it's like a drawn-out I don't know 10 minute sequence or so running maybe through more the
0: pipes and
1: like with him fighting the basilisk so that's one point part where they really drew it out um, and uh, but other than that it's similar he stabs the basilisk uh takes the basilisk's tooth and stabs yeah. the diary which defeats riddle
0: but i will say it is interesting because in the movie i don't think they touch on this specific aspect of tom riddle cuz this is a memory right. that has been encased in this diary and he doesn't know how harry defeated essentially himself yeah, So he, what he knows about Harry is what Jenny wrote in her diary. Yeah. And so he's questioning Harry, like, how did you defeat the greatest wizard of all time? Right. How did you as a baby do it? And Harry's like explaining it, but not quite catching on to like what he's saying. Yeah, And then he finds out that, you know, Tom Marvel riddle is I am Lord Voldemort. And right. He's like, ah, oh, shit, you're Voldemort, but you're not the Voldemort. It's like, right. it, it's, it's a lot different than, Making it seem like this memory of Voldemort has the same consciousness as
1: right. That's true.
0: That is that's what that was yeah. way different than I remembered it. But I appreciated that yeah. that it was truly a memory that didn't understand.
1: Another difference is is like after so Ginny, this whole time has been passed out after. Um. After he defeats Riddle slash Voldemort, like she comes back, like comes back to consciousness, and like. In the movie, she's just kind of like chill about it. Like, oh, what's up? But in, <laughs> in the book, she's like super traumatized by all this so going traumatized. on. traumatized. And like, you know, crying and all this stuff. And I think that that kind of plays into where we were talking about earlier, where there's like all these little moments in the book where they talk about Ginny being like really kind of distraught about some of this stuff. And then the moment they left out where she was going to tell them something. Um, it's just it doesn't have the same like emotional kind right. of like punch
0: and yeah, she's not nearly as traumatized. No. It just kind of after they resolve everything, they go to Dumbledore mm-hmm. and Harry and he have that very, um, kind of their first really intimate conversation. And did they
1: leave this out entirely? Am I making that up? What? Um, the, so, so going back to like the inner turmoil of like Harry and kind of his inner turmoil Harry's having, he's like, yes, Voldemort, when he, left you the scar transferred some of himself into you
0: yeah his power but
1: it's still the choices you make that make you that was good. in everything yeah that's in the movie yeah okay. where he
0: says because he it goes back to his incident with the sorting hat because harry yeah earlier in the movie and in the book is in dumbledore's office and he confronts the sorting hat and the sorting hat says yeah you would have done well in slytherin and harry is like no you're wrong mm-hmm. and so that Comes up again at the end when Dumbledore says, It is the choices you make. You chose to be in Gryffindor. Yeah. And then how only a true Gryffindor could have pulled, you know, Godric Gryffindor's sword from the hat, right. that whole thing. And showing loyalty to Dumbledore with Fox showing up yeah. and healing Harry and carrying them to freedom. So that's when it, we learn that Harry and Voldemort are connected in some way, right. that they share traits because of that attack. Yeah. And that's going to obviously play a larger role further down the line but yeah and then the ending is very sweet and the same with dobby's freedom Mm -hmm. and um lucius malfoy being a dick about losing a slave yeah essentially but dobby's dobby is a free elf he got his sock
1: yeah but it is made clear that malfoy is the one that gave Ginny, the diary.
0: Yes. He's like, um, I think you forgot this. And that happens
1: in front of Dumbledore in the book. In the movie, it's just a thing between him and Harry. Right. Malfoy and Harry. But
0: Dumbledore definitely knows. Because yes. he says some like real shady like, yeah. oh, if anyone ever found out who put that in Ginny's yeah. cauldron, you know.
1: But it's similar. Um, Dobby's yeah. freed. Hermione comes back from being petrified. Um, they have a big party.
0: No exams.
1: Um, they, they, they cut some stuff out like, you know. Uh, Gryffindor wins the the house cup again. Yeah, and I think I don't think they ever mention like points or the house cup ever again in any of the movies.
0: I don't think they do either. Like
1: this is the last t- time that's ever brought up. But yeah, I mean, other than that, it, I think that's all pretty similar after that.
0: Yeah, it, it just, just the end of the
1: wrapping things yeah. up basically. Wrapping
0: things up, he goes. They don't have him like going back to the Dursleys. They don't no. do that full circle like they did at the end of the first book. But
1: yeah, they end it. I think when they're back on the train, but
0: yep, heading back home. So that is Chamber of Secrets. I will say like going through it, it is the big plot points are similar to the first one. There's well, the uh,
1: movie is so damn long if they didn't hit most of the points and yeah. they're doing something wrong. <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. Yeah. But, I f-
1: totally forgot. It was almost three hours.
0: Yeah. It was a long. It was. It's a good movie. Yeah. But I, I forget that they are really, really long, even from the beginning.
1: Yeah. I think my biggest problem with it is the changes they made to, um, Ron's character. And it didn't yeah. it's not like huge changes, but I, I do think that he was a little bit, the dynamic, they sh- changed the dynamic between the three a little bit, which I think,
0: yeah, I, agree. I, d- I
1: liked the, I liked the dynamic in the books a little bit better.
0: And this for me, I really, I really kind of take issue with them minimizing Ginny in the movie, yeah, because sure. this is, this is the first of part of a pattern in the future movies, her role is diminished more and more and more. Yeah. And her character in the book is awesome. And her character in the movies is flat yeah. and, and um, just basically a piece of ass for Harry, which is fucking stupid. Yeah. And so this is where it all, I think s- begins mm-hmm. And in this book, it would have been very easy for them to put in that foreshadowing. Yeah. It would have taken a shot or two, Yeah. just something. I don't know. But yeah, I think the, the dynamic between Ron and Hermione and Harry changing is also something that's going to be seen throughout the rest as well. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it might've, in my opinion, be a mistake, but at least they're consistent with it.
1: The the little bit that they left out with kind of starting to tie Harry and Voldemort together a little bit more. Um,
0: Right.
1: I think. Yeah. I mean, it comes up a little bit more in the later movies, but I think they kind of, she lays the groundwork for it a little bit more here than they do in the, in the movie.
0: Yes. That they
1: the, do it in the book better.
0: The feeling of relating to yeah. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. It, it leaves a, a bigger mark yeah. in the book.
1: But overall, I mean, pretty good adaptation, just like the first one. I think, um, you know, they, they left most of it in and, and what they cut out. I think didn't really take too much away from the story. So,
0: right. Like, like I um, said, they're, they're small differences. And right yeah, now, we, I mean,
1: it's hard for me cause I love the little details that they cut out, but yeah, I, I get why if you were going to cut something out that those are the ones you chose. So, right.
0: It, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, and like we said, we weren't going to go into the nitty gritty. I think we did a little bit, but that's because those are the only really big differences yeah. the, and they're not big.
1: We're going to have to, uh, expedite this process a little yes. bit more in the later books because of how much how different they are we're we'll probably just gonna yeah. have the high notes a little bit more but
0: yeah exactly
1: all right you ready for uh our uh review roundup rotten tomatoes and goodreads scores yes, i am all right Let's
0: get into it so let me pull up goodreads here what do you think harry potter and the chamber of secrets got
1: what did the last one get do you remember I believe it's like it four was. four or something, wasn't it? It was it was higher than I thought.
0: It was higher, yeah, than you had anticipated.
1: Actually, Let's don't tell me what the last one got. That'll I know, but me. I want to know okay. for my
0: for the for comparison's sake. Okay, yeah, okay. I'm gonna
1: say a 4.45. Point, point four
0: very close. Yeah. So, Chamber of Secrets is four point four one. Uh huh. And damn, Sorcer- okay, so I was close. You were very close, and Sorcerer's Stone was four point four seven. Okay. So they're they're very close, um, um, but yeah, the first one has six million ratings, Sorcerer Stone, on Goodreads, and the Chamber of Secrets has two million. Very similar scores, which kind of surprised me.
1: Okay. So what do you think for Rotten Tomatoes, audience and critics?
0: I don't think. <laughs> for the movie. I think critics would have had similar issues with it being similar to the first one as like the book critics. So I'm going to say it was lower than I thought, right? Last time? Do you want me
1: to, the first one was 81% for critics? Yeah.
0: I think this one's going to be 75 and I think audience is going to be 89.
1: Okay. So weirdly maybe not weirdly, but The Chamber of Secrets has an 83 for critics so, so higher. higher. Oh. Audience score is lower at
0: 80%. Oh.
1: What did you guess the audience score for this one again?
0: 89. Yeah,
1: so lower than you thought. Um Weird. So the audience score was lower but the critic score was higher for Chamber Secrets. But a okay. very similar.
0: They're still in that 80% range. Yeah. B plus 80s, work. yeah. Yeah. B B plus. Yeah. I I would take it.
1: And okay. I can see I can, I I think some of the criticisms of the movie are probably valid, where it's very similar to the first yeah. one and all that. Yeah, so,
0: I agree. Granted, but yeah. I think it still does a good job of continuing to build the world yeah. and the lore. Yeah. I do think it does that very well.
1: Yeah, I think overall they did a good job with it. So, yeah.
0: All right. Well,
1: that is Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets.
0: Yes. Next week we are on to Prisoner of Azkaban.
1: My favorite Your book. Your favorite. So, mm-hmm. and a very interesting directorial change. Yes. So. I'll get into that a little bit excited to
0: dive into that. Well, if you like this episode, if you like what you've heard in the past, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play and stitcher. Um, leave us a review. We will give you a shout out, uh,
1: send us some feedback or suggestions or comments. You can, you can email us or reach out on any social media platform that we are on. So,
0: yeah. And, um, you can find more about the podcast at source material pod.com. social media. We're at source Pod for Facebook and Instagram and source map for Twitter. So reach out to us, give us your opinions. Yeah. We'd love to read. Thanks them. for listening. Thanks for listening.
1: Until next time. Until
0: next time.